In the great bowels of the internet, there are assembled the world's two most prodigious podcasters created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Joe, a chubby Italian nebbish with a slamming tan, and Gomez, a Puerto Rican, when convenient, who doesn't speak a lick of Spanish. Their mission combine their love of all things pop culture to present the most important podcast on the planet. When their powers are assembled, they form the mighty Car Joe-Man. Welcome to episode 275 of the Carl Jomez Podcast. I'm Mez, and my co-host as always... I am the Marathon Man, the man of many miles. I am Joe from the Car Jomez Podcast. Yo, what up, Miles? What's up, bro? That's right. They call me Miles because I run lots of them. Oh, are you preparing for your your marathon that I you accidentally heavily, signed up for? Heavily into my training, Gomez. Ooh, are you still not smoking? I have not had a cigarette since right before our very last podcast. So that's a full week. Yes, you were in the last podcast. You were about an hour without a cigarette. So I'm happy to hear my lung capability has increased. Tenfold. Wow, look at you. And uh, what have you been doing to practice? You you just running, going to the gym? What are you no, doing? No, 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 no. Not yet. You got to ease into these things. So okay. right now, I just watch other people run on YouTube. Oh, technique watching? No, 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 no. It's just to get me in the right frame of mind. Okay. <laughs> I figure if I can see it, I can be it. I get that. You think you can. You know, you just you got to focus. You got to see what it is. I got as long it. as I All believe right. it, there's nothing to it. Well, this is going to be a fun couple of weeks, I got to say. <laughs> I'm ready. I, you know, I don't want to say that I'm one of the most athletic people that has ever lived, but oh. I got to be like top six. Six? I mean... Definitely top six. You, you, you're only going to do six? You sure? That's very generous of you. I mean, Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, me. That's That might be that's, it. That's, that's, that's good. I mean, if we did a big finish. Danny Ainge. That would, maybe Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. What a interesting name. <laughs> well, you know, he played two sports. I got Listen, hey. I got it. So uh, Willie Mays Hayes, he's got to be on the list. I would think no. I would think so. <laughs> he may run like Hayes, but he hits like shit. Oh man! Well, that's good. I'm I'm very excited for this journey. I think it's going to be good for you, and I can't wait to see Marathon Runner Joe. Man, you're going to be, whew, you're going to be killing it out there. I'm going to have to re- I'm going to have to release a T-shirt of me breaking through the ribbon at the end. That I think that'd be a good seller. I'm not gonna lie. I want one because, and then I I get my own line of uh, footwear. They call them marathon shoes. Oh, you got it all planned out, don't you? 
I do now. See, this is what I said. Like, last week, I said I'm an idea man. This stuff just comes to me. Love to hear it. <laughs> it's unbelievable how my brain works. This is what makes me so special. Like, it just happens. Like, I'm like fucking, I'm like fucking Magneto. I could just move shit with my mind. Well, all Magneto doesn't do that. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he, he does with the metal and shit. But he, how the fuck do you think he does that? He's got to think about it. Sure, yes, but you had Charles Xavier right there. <laughs> yeah, but like, he's too I was soft. Gonna say, you're, you don't win with yeah, Charles Xavier you gotta be on a little your team. rough. He is a little softy. He brings it upon himself. It's no good. Magneto, you know. No, you you have to have that that ruthless aggression. I'm always I always wonder how they're gonna bring X Men into the MCU and how they would do Magneto because if you're a Holocaust survivor, you are a very old man right now. And so I want to say that's something I heard about like quasi recently, where they said like the new uh, possibility going forward would be like. Uh, like something in uh, like Rwanda or yes, something. Yes, I've seen I that. Like, yeah, they could do that. The Rwanda genocide. And at first, without even thinking about it, I was like, "What the fuck? Like, how do you do that? How do you just change his whole backstory?" And then, like, where they're like, you know, the the Holocaust is a long fucking time ago now. And I'm like, oh well, yeah, I suppose that that does make quite a, a lot of sense. So. It is very interesting, especially because like it's it's not like Magneto is a background character. No, it's, you need a Magneto. Like you need him. So I mean, maybe you don't age as much when you're a mutant. Maybe they come from a, a multiverse or something. Land down under. You know. Oh, they come from somewhere else, so it's different. It's just all the possibilities. I always wonder about that. You mentioned it, Magneto. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting, and uh, obviously they're coming now, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. But first, Gomez, a very heartfelt thank you to everyone who has been downloading and subscribing to this podcast across all the podcast platforms. Thank you very much. We appreciate it greatly. Please remember to leave those five-star reviews wherever it is that you get this podcast, and follow us across all the social medias at Jomez. Yes, thank you. Please do. I didn't make any TikToks yet, so uh, I'm still waiting to start doing that. I don't, I'm not, I gotta say, when I look at these TikToks, like, I just, how, how many TikToks do you enjoy? Like, when you scrolling, are you like, oh, look at these funny, funny videos? None, because I'm not really my, into it. for the algorithm, I don't know how it selects, like, what gets suggested to you, because I use it so infrequently, so it's not like... I have a lot of TikToks that I've liked. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Okay. So, but what is being suggested it's to me like, is definitely not no, my kind of content. It's not. So I'm just like, oh, I really don't want to be on this fucking thing. I don't like it. I feel I get like a good one. I get one good TikTok a day, but that's like on Twitter. It's whatever someone's sharing. It's never on that app. I'm just seeing like, oh. No, the, the, best, the best TikToks are the ones that get put yeah, on Twitter. Which is why I never needed a TikTok, I felt, because I'm seeing the good shit. But I don't know. I'm trying, but you can't. No, I just, I, I'm just trying to branch out and be way more famous. And if you want to follow me, I'm just at the Joe Shoes. I'm at the Joe Shoes on everything. Yeah. You can find me everywhere. But you know where you should find me is on YouTube 
YouTube.com slash just Joe Shoes. So I guess I lied to you. you it's not just the Joe Shoes everywhere. You liar. <laughs> I'm a liar. <laughs> Piece of shit. But I got two new videos up there since we last spoke. Elf on the Shelf Breakfast Cereal oh, Gomez. Some holiday that. seasonal stuff. What kind of cereal was and that? What was it like? It was like... So it is supposed to be like frosted sugar cookie flavor with marshmallows. Interesting. Okay. I would say... You know, watch my I video will, will. to be sure. Yes, of course. But I would say that it is not frosted sugar cookie <laughs> flavored as advertised. Damn. I'll buy it when it's on sale in a week. <laughs> um, also, I went to Taco Bell again, Ooh. and I had the double steak grilled cheese burrito. That's good. And if you've, if you've been following me for a long time... You know, I went to Taco Bell last year when they rolled out the regular grilled cheese burrito, and I thought that was stupendous. So I think it is safe to say you can anticipate my reaction with this one, but go check it out. Remember to like and subscribe and write down in the comments because all that stuff helps out. It really does. Yeah, Joe, you also mentioned last week you were going to do a video of an unboxing on uh, Twitch. Did you do that? What was I going to unbox? You were going to unbox Masters of the Universe. I did do that. Uh, it was me, Smart Mark Sterling, and uh, uh, Ravishing Robert Rudman from Mattel. We unboxed the final two waves of the Masters of the WWE Universe figures. Yes, okay. So seven figures total, and they're fun. I enjoy having the set in hand more than I anticipated enjoying it when it first came out. Didn't think I needed it, but now I've got a complete set. Okay, good. I got to check that out because I do I do like those toys. They're fun to look at. Yeah, very hard to come across. Which is crazy. So crazy. So uh, th thank you to Mattel uh, for uh, sending those to Brian Myers, who in turn sent them to me. So I appreciate that. Otherwise, I don't know how much longer I would have had to spend looking for them. That's crazy. I just That's so crazy to me how hard these toys are. Hard. They're fun. It's just... I just saw distribution issues. I don't know if that's because of the supply chain stuff or I, I don't know. But basically from the beginning of this line, I've really only found wave one in stores. And then wave two, I was able to get like I just happened to be online when I saw people posting, hey, these are up. These are up on Walmart.com. So I was able to get wave two that way. And like everything has been like some kind of thing like that. It has been a struggle. Jesus. I just saw something today that one of these uh, these Paul brothers just bought a a box of uh, first edition Pokemon sealed edition boxes. This is he dropped three point mm -hmm. five million. This is yep. this is insane. Three point five yeah, million. Poke Pokemon blew up like a year ago. Basically, all kinds of cards blew up during the pandemic when everyone was home with nothing to do. So, like, baseball cards through the moon. Wrestling cards started picking up and, like, becoming a thing again. And you could go check out my buddies at the Card Foundation podcast where they have, they just talk collecting wrestling cards. So, go check that out. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a major mark. Um, you know them. They're on the major pod network. My boy Papa Bear and the Tancredi brothers doing a great job with that. But like all this stuff, Pokemon went through the moon with people looking for like first edition Charizards, like hologram stuff. And I don't know enough about Pokemon cards to like come off knowledgeable. But I know that like all that stuff from the 
mid to late 90s, you know, sealed or in great condition goes for absolutely stupid money. How stupid? This guy just spent 3.5 on a box. So what is he like? This this guy is there a 10 million dollar card in there? Possibly. Wow, that's crazy. That's just so crazy. Man. But that's the thing is like they they the word the saying is sealed wax is safe because there's always the possibility that something massive could be in there. So it's like do you take the chance of opening it and coming away disappointed or do you just leave it sealed mm. and hope to flip it down the line for more than what you spent for it? That's true. I get that. Man, that's crazy. That's just I remember all the all the Pokemon cards my little brother Nick Ball had just binders full and just oh all in the trash. <laughs> oh yeah, like you know, it was one of those things. I by that time, I kind of felt like the collecting game was over. Like, remember, like that we had the Beanie Baby craze, and you know, like people still collected stuff. But I felt like the the time for things to appreciate in collectibles was gone. If that makes sense, I get that. Like base baseball cards had been like rendered worthless at that point. Aside from like the top top stuff, like basically anything from our childhood, they call the uh, the junk wax era because it's so overproduced that it just became worthless. Like everything we collected in the early, um, the early nineties, the late eighties became pretty worthless because everything was just so massively overproduced. And I like. As a kid, at that point, you know, 12, 13 years old, where now I'm starting to think of stuff as more than just something I put in a binder and throw under my bed in a box. Mm. Like, I was like, oh, this will never be worth anything. So when it came time to move or pack up or make room for something, it was like, oh, I could get rid of these. What am I going to need them the for? First thing oh, there, there goes 22 Derek Jeter rookies that I never thought would be worth anything. So crazy. It's funny you brought up Beanie Babies. Did you see there's this... Beanie Baby documentary on HBO Max. I don't know if it came out or it's coming out where it goes into No, I didn't see it's that. It's called Beanie Mania. It's on HBO Max and it's about the uh, the craze of the 90s and what happened. Why did we get just Beanie Baby obsessed? It's it's crazy. So that's definitely something I want to check out. It's it really is crazy to think about because it was like almost nowhere. from the jump where people were like this is going to be it. Put these beanie babies away. And then almost as soon as it came in, it was done. So fast. It uh, drops December 23rd on HBO Max. Beanie Mania. Oh. Definitely so. So that's something to watch uh, right before uh, we have to spend the holidays. <laughs> yes. You excited, Joe? The holidays are coming. Christmas is this weekend. No. Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, I have I have plans for Christmas. I don't know what you're doing. I assume you're doing the family thing. That's of course. That's kind of why the whole point of having kids, right? I, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, we do the you know wake up and Santa and just spend all day playing with our stuff. Big Christmas dinner, you know, nothing special, just chilling. Christmas. You, you gonna put something on your vinyl machine while you you open the gifts? Oh, uh, possibly. I mean, I got a awesome Christmas present from. Uh, our good friend Dr. Armando got me the Friday the 13th Part 6 soundtrack on vinyl. It was, oh, what so, a treat. So I knew you were getting that, and I had completely forgotten oh about it. Oh, my God. I popped so I had no idea. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. 
So good. I got to dust off that vinyl machine. It's upstairs in the attic. I got to bring it out now because I, I can't wait to listen. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I have plans for Christmas. I'm going to Disney World. Ooh, what a day. It's got to be awesome. So I, I've never been to Disney for Christmas. I've been to Universal for Christmas before, mm-hmm. but never to Disney. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I know Disney's all decorated yeah. and pretty and magical and all it's that. But fun. I don't know if they do anything special for the day itself. I don't know. I've never been there. So I figured, you know what? I'm I'm going to go. So I'm going to go to Disney. It's got to be. It's got to be a parade and maybe Santa comes or something, right? they got to be. Oh, but I mean, they have parades and... You know, big finishes every night. You know, it's like part of the allure of Disney. They light up the castle and you get like a whole show at the end of the day. It's wild. Mm, I, but like, I don't know if, you know, they have like, they do Christmas as a season. You know yes, what I mean? Exactly. So what happens it's on been the decorated day. for a couple weeks. Yes. What I don't know if they do anything special for that singular yes, if day. you went on the 22nd, what's the difference than the 25th? I gotcha. I gotcha. That's interesting. I, I went to Sesame Place one time, Christmas time. It's nice. It's cute seeing everyone in there. Christmas outfits and they decorate things. It's a cute little thing. And with the Christmas season, you know, here on the Car Jomez podcast, we've been doing a little thing called slaying and slaying. Yeah, we have. And Gomez, I think it is important to mention that this week was the 25th anniversary of probably the most important horror movie of the the generation, right? The last generation. It's the 25th anniversary of fucking Scream already. It's pretty crazy when you say that. Yep. My goodness. 25 years. Oh, Jesus Lord. We watched that on Six Weeks of Horror, right? One of the first ones. We did Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer, I believe. Some 90s. I believe we did, yes. Because that was something you were familiar with. See if it held up. I believe we enjoyed Scream. You know, I Know What You Did Last Summer is okay. Not as good as Scream. But I know you love it. Correct, but you love it because of your girl. I, well, I love it for, I love it because Jennifer Love Hewitt is the goddess on which we prey upon. It just that's what it is. But twenty five years—that's crazy. A new one comes out next month. Like you think they would have dropped it for the twenty? Doesn't that make you feel old? Yeah, it does. Doesn't that make the scream is not something insane. you think of as being that old? Scream! Oh, that came out just the other day. Scream is one of those movies that, like, I felt like. I was like, it was made for me because at the time I'm like, what, 15 or something? Yeah, that's, that's so I'm like, yo, like, this is my movie. Like, I know I'm one of the cool kids because it's made for me. I'm going to see it with my friends, like, all that. And it's like, all of a sudden, I'm some old douchebag. <laughs> and the best is you get to see a new scream next month and you get to see how old all these people look. Everybody is because it's all the same people. <laughs> to really remind you. If you're like, oh, wait, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're looking at you, Matthew Lillard. If you didn't mention it this week, in two weeks when I see the movie, I would have been like, bro, screen people are old, man. We are old. Oh. <laughs> and speaking of feeling old, Gomez, what? did you see what? on HBO, What's on HBO? The, the reboot of the Golden Girls? What? There's a reboot of Golden Girl? I didn't Oh no no hold on excuse me. It's it's not it's actually called Sex and the City. <laughs> yeah, I saw that they brought that back. Oh, uh, you know. I was never I've watched a couple episodes. It's fine, but it's never never my thing, obviously. It's not our demographic really, but uh it was no, Sex in the City. Never never my thing. Are you a I, big Samantha girl? Never my th- <laughs> No, I never 
I hated the mentality because it was just like, what do a couple in like a group of entitled rich people do? You know, like when they traipse around town. And I feel like that show had a lot to do with ruining New York at that time. Okay, I get what you're saying. Like, I feel like that played a huge part in the the way the entire city ended up becoming gentrified over the past, you know, 20 or so years. I could, I could get what you're saying. I get that. And especially, like, because, you know, like, when we grew up in New York, it was always, like, the city was for rich people and it was what it was. Yeah. But, like, the rest the rest of the boroughs were still the rest of the boroughs. Mm-hmm. And I, I put this blame strictly on Sex in the City when it started dripping over into Brooklyn. And that was because... The one girl was getting married, and she was like, oh, this guy wants to wants me to move to Brooklyn. And they're like, oh, well, maybe Brooklyn's not so bad. And then it felt like all these, like, fucking hipster white people, <laughs> like, were moving to Brooklyn, driving up all the prices. And then when that got too expensive, then they had to flood over into Queens. Well. And, and, and it just never stopped. So I blame sex in the city for a lot of things. It's hysterical. <laughs> I didn't know you had such animosity. Like, you know, because New York used to be fun, and there used to be pornography, and and now you take a stroll through Midtown, and it's you know it's not cool. It's just fucking Connecticut. It's a uh, it's Disney World, but for people from Connecticut. <laughs> did you see the big uh, the big thing they did in the in the reboot in the first episode? How they started their show? Oh no, no, what happened? So it's a spoiler for anyone who cares about this. You could jump ahead two minutes. I'm sure we're not going to talk long. But, uh, but but folks, I'm going to warn you, this whole episode is oh, going to be absolute Listen, dripping like, with all sorts of spoilers you may or may not want to hear. Of course. But so with Sex in the City, you know, the whole big thing in all the seasons and the movies is uh, this girl and uh, Mr. Big. Well, they're married and uh, they killed this guy. He's riding his Peloton bike. And uh, he drops dead from a heart attack, bro. And that's how they start this reboot. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's pretty gay. As I'm in the middle of training for a fucking marathon? <laughs> He's, he looks fit, but you know, he has had heart issues in the past, so I guess it's come back. And uh, yeah, he just drops dead. <laughs> the Peloton stock dropped that morning, of course. And then they put out... Un- Believable. Oh, that's why that'll teach you motherfuckers to exercise. <laughs> that's why I heard about it was because then Peloton put out a commercial with the actor, you know, uh, riding the Peloton. I didn't really die. Yeah, like, <laughs> to be like, hey guys, it's not real. Please, still buy our product. <laughs> it's, it's like the clown from Billy Madison. He's like, hey kids, bet you thought I was dead, but I just had a hemorrhage in the head. <laughs> oh, that's a good movie. <laughs> Gomez, I've been um. I've been jonesing for some baseball, you know, like the whole free agency thing got cut short because the owners are a bunch of douchebags and locking out the players and all that stuff. Although the Mets did hire a new manager, but I came across a new podcast. It's called The Rumor. Oh, I know this. Yes, yes. Do you? I heard about it like when someone, someone was on, the guy who does this was on another podcast talking about it, maybe like the Tony Kornheiser show, something like that, right? talking about it and i was like oh that's so interesting and then i forgot all about it thank you for bringing it up please tell this these folks what this podcast is about it's amazing so real quick it just finished up it's a six episode series so that's why i kind of waited like i was like you know what like i'm just gonna 
wait and just binge it all together. Sure. But it is about one of the great urban legends of the uh, you know in in the sport of yes. baseball, which involves Cal Ripken, his Iron Man streak, and a possible dalliance between his wife and actor Kevin Costner. And for years, there has been this rumor that the Baltimore Orioles canceled the game. They said they said there was a problem with the lights, lights in the stadium. <laughs> For years, the rumor yes. has been that this game got canceled because Cal Ripken had left to go to the stadium. And when he returned, he had to go back home because he had forgotten something. And when he returned home, his wife was in bed with Kevin Costner. And this has been a very prevalent yes. rumor. <laughs> For years now. I believe this was 1997, maybe. So, like, this is like, been in the, the public consumption for years. And these two guys go about trying to solve the case and debunk one side or the See, other. This is, this is the fun conspiracy theories. This one, conspiracy theories are fun. When it's something stupid like yes. this. This is the best. I've always loved that rumor. And the fact that they're doing a deep dive into, oh, could they do this with the lights and this and that? Just everything. Yes. It's so and good. they they end up interviewing like the stadium electrician, and then and then they show up at like the place where like Cal Ripken's house was, and they're like, "Hey, can we talk to the guy who was the groundskeeper here in 1997?" So funny. Uh, um, I will say it's not great. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, the there's not really enough to keep you involved for six episodes, yes. but obviously whatever deal they yes. have with whoever's putting this podcast out necessitates the need to stretch it to six episodes. Um, it's it's fine as like a little background listen, but like they have to like over dramatize everything. Okay, that gets annoying. I get like that. it's. Yeah, and it's like the one guy's like this diehard Baltimore Orioles fan, so he's like, you know, I have to rethink everything about my childhood now because <laughs> if this is true, Cal Ripken was my hero, and I'm so like, my, what, my like, man, what, we, what is that? What does that change? What? Why does that change anything? I don't even understand. Uh, what, what does it matter that they did that? That's what should make you love them more. Yo, they fucking canceled the game because of this. Like, that's come on now. That's so stupid. So I mean I love the fact that this yes, exists that's, that's and that what I love. So, someone thought to do it, um, but like you realize real quick it should not be six episodes. It's like a quick. It's like an episode, one episode of a of a show that does stuff stuff like that. You know, like where you just focus. Like this would be like an episode of Dateline. Yes, exactly. Just like a yes, an episodic show where they just every week is a different case study. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I get that. Six episodes is a lot. But uh, the idea is great, and like you said, I I love that it uh that it exists. So I'll definitely check that out. The rumor. Thanks for bringing that up, Joe. You got any news or anything for us this week, Joe? Not a lot happening this week. It's been pretty quiet. Obviously, the big news is the release of Spider Man, and as we get close to the holidays, you know, there's not a lot happening because people don't want their stuff to get lost in this time period where people are so busy. <laughs> I hear that. Let's talk about The Matrix, Joe. Ah, good idea, Gomez, because finally we can conclude our rewatch of the original Matrix trilogy. Yes. So the past two weeks, we've 
watched The Matrix, Matrix Reloaded. I loved both movies, first one more than the second, but I thought the second was a lot better than I remembered. Joe kind of felt the same, uh, had the same thoughts that he always had, right? You liked the first one, second one, you still didn't love, and you want to... Uh, yeah, I'm... Yes. You, you want to see about number three, especially because, you know, it does end and pick up right where it leaves off, so it basically is the same story, just cut into two movies, and uh, it is important, and uh, I'll say... I didn't hate the movie as much as I remember hating it, but uh, I still did not enjoy this movie as much as the others. I had an interesting time with this one because, once again, I have not seen this movie since it was released in theaters. And so much of it I felt like I was seeing for the first time. Yes, we mentioned that we remembered bits and pieces from the first two, but this one I really don't remember much. No, this one was like I was going into it yeah. for the first time. It was really crazy because I remember having such strong feelings about yes. it. And, you know, usually when you have that kind of reaction to something, you remember why you hate why it. you had yeah, that exactly. reaction. Yeah. Because if I asked you and why you hate it, you would be like, I actually don't remember. I just remember it not being good. Like, that's it. It's like when you ask me, like, oh, why do you hate Jimmy Rollins? And I just go, well, because he was a Philly. Yes. And they go, yeah, but what what do you ever do? And I'm like, honestly, at this point, it's been so long, I don't even fucking remember. Uh, but, like, I know Jimmy Rollins was on the Phillies and fuck the Phillies. <laughs> so funny. Oh, what, what I found interesting, even before we even talk about the story, so last week I mentioned that The Matrix Reloaded had set the record at the time yes. for the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. And that clocked in at like $741 million, which was a huge bump from the $463 million of the original yeah, Matrix. Big bump, yeah. Apparently, I wasn't the only one who hated this movie back then because this version, uh, Chapter 3, The Matrix Revolutions, Went down to four hundred and twenty-seven million. Oh, yeah. It was the lowest grossing of the trilogy. That means it had no staying power. No one went to see that shit twice. They just fucking opening weekend, and then had a big opening drop. weekend must have been massive. Yeah. And there was a really interesting tidbit I found out Ooh. in my research about the release of this movie, where they timed it. They timed the release of this movie. Across time zones. That way it would release at the same time around the world. So if it was midnight in New York, it was 9 p.m. in L.A. Oh, it was, you know. Some asshole you know, in the 6 morning. 6 a.m. in London. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, that sucks. <laughs> and they did that, uh, I want to say, across 15 time zones, I believe I read. That's interesting. So, yeah, that's like, I've never... I don't know if that has ever happened before with another movie or has happened since. It sounds like a big pain in the yeah, ass. Like, I know, like, sometimes they try to release things because sometimes a foreign market will get it a week or two early. So sometimes they'll make it so that doesn't happen. But for exactly the same time, that's that's wild. That's very interesting. And I wonder how that did. Like, I wonder, like, were those movie theaters packed at 3 in the morning? Right? I guess, right? There's fans of everything that people love to line up for shit, right? I'll tell you what, there have been some movies where 
And especially, I'm sure we saw it this weekend with the release of Spider-Man. I'm sure, like, the midnight showings in a lot of places were sold out. So I'm sure there were theaters that opened up 3 a.m. showings. I do remember that. I remember when we would do midnight movies, sometimes that movie would play till all the way till 6 in the morning. I'll tell you what. I remember when the first Avengers came out in 2012. I remember I went to a midnight showing. And, and I was by myself. I remember seeing this. But I loved it so much that there was a 3 a.m. showing. So as I'm leaving the theater at like 2.30, 2.40 in the morning, whatever it was, as I'm getting ready to leave, I see that there's another showing about to happen. I got right back in line, bought another ticket, and went to a 3 a.m. showing right Love there. It. Love it. <laughs> that's some... I mean, that movie was phenomenal. Real like, nerd I, dedication I never thought shit. we were going to get to... I love it. I never thought we were going to get to the place where we got like that time... That good of an Avengers movie. I mean, it's it was fantastic. Yes, it was. And just wait till we talk about a little few minutes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but The Matrix Revolution, this is, you know, the big finale. This is the big final fight where the city of Zion is defending itself against the massive invasion of the machines. And Neo kind of goes off to do his own thing and fight the war at another front while also opposing the rogue Agent Smith. Mm-hmm. So, lot to unpack there. Basically, I am shocked at how little Neo is in this movie. He is not in the movie. It's wild. He starts where, you know, he, uh, the movie, the second movie ends with an explosion. Everyone's all messed up. Neo and uh, Agent Smith and the Matrix is there, knocked unconscious. And we learn Neo's in this in-between world. And he's just kind of there chilling for a while as everyone else tries to figure out how to get him out of it. So you <laughs> So it the in between world is set up like a New York City subway station called Mobile Avenue. Mobile, by the way, is an anagram Gomez for Limbo. Oh, I get yes, very good. I get it. I I did that with my brain. <laughs> Once you said it, I'm like, yes, just that's like, correct. That's true. <laughs> just like Magneto. I moved <coughs> those letters around with my brain. Uh there are this movie is dripping with religious overtones throughout. Yes. And I didn't feel like that was the case in either of the first two movies. Obviously, there are things you can pull. Yeah. Um, but with this one, it just in felt like the whole thing was some... Jesus, yes. everybody. <laughs> I think that's why we didn't like it probably yeah. the first time, right? Like, I, I clearly remember now, like, after seeing it, I clearly remember leaving the theater... With our buddy BAC, and he looked at me and he said, "If Shawn Michaels reviewed this movie, he'd give it five crosses." <laughs> A true statement. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I now that I've seen, it, I'm like, oh yeah, it was very he- like, oh we get it the way they drag. Uh, it's yes, it's a bit much, but uh, so. I talked about in the second one, the action makes up for stuff when it's uh, when it gets dragged down. It's not a lot of action in this uh, in this movie like that. So kind of there is, but there isn't. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. You know what yes. I mean? Like the movie is basically set upon their big final battlefront, their Endgame yeah. fight. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, and I guess this is before Endgame, so it's it's not yeah. the best comparison. But like in any Makes other movie, you know, any kind of st- yeah, like That's Star true. Wars movie, whatever. Finally, everybody has come together to throw everything at these bad guys. Yeah. And the problem is, the biggest good guy 
is nowhere to be found. Yeah, he's trying to do something and, else. <laughs> and everybody else is just like, well, I hope he yeah. <laughs> hope he does what he feels like he needs to do because we could sure use some fucking help over here. <laughs> like we're we're really getting our shit pushed in. All our people are getting fucking killed and this Neo guy is just off doing whatever. It is. It's like in Avengers, if Iron Man's like, I'm going to just fly over here. I, oh, I thought I saw something in Staten Island. I'll, I'll see you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like exactly that. It's like, like, wait, no, come here. Yeah, so there, there's like a lot happening because the whole thing is basically the battle. The whole movie is basically the battle. Yes. Just different parts But of at the it. same time, nothing is happening. Because they're, like, going through layers. and like, So it's like, stand, fight them off here, but they're still coming. You just you just beat those those guys, but they're still coming over here and over here. Got to get this ship. And they're trying to... That's it. They're trying to draw you in with attachment to individual characters. So there's, like, the one guy who's, like, the general, and he's driving... Uh, they call them the uh, APUs, but they look like the Ed... <laughs> Uh, robots from RoboCop. You know what I mean? And like you sit in there and like you have like your cybernetic arms and stuff and you shoot, 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 pew, pew, pew. Yes. And so like like they're trying to give you this connection to him by making him a focal point. And then they have these two women who were uh, loading bazookas and stuff trying to shoot at like the big machines that are coming in and they're like giving them some time so you have some kind of connection to them. Then you go back to the ship where Morpheus is there with Niobe and Link, and they're trying to make you feel, like, invested in these characters, when really, the two main characters that you actually do give a shit about are just off doing their own thing. <laughs> it's true. It's, very- it's such an odd movie, and, I mean, I... I pretty much am exactly where I was when this movie first came out in 2003. Like I walked, I, I walked away from this movie again after 18 years, going, like, really? This is this is it? It's not, it's not a good end to the trilogy. Uh, I don't really know if it was a planned trilogy. If they always had these ideas, or they just try to, you know, work it out. But uh, no, I don't think it's a satisfying. I, mean, I could be wrong. But I still feel that most people upon rewatch are still kind of having the same kind of feelings where maybe they don't hate it as much like me. I don't hate it as much, but I also don't like it as much as I, uh, you know, came to love the second one upon rewatch. I was going to say, did you have higher expectations for this coming in because you felt differently about the second one after last I week? What? Like I was excited. Like I'm like, all right, let's see how they end this now because now I'm, I'm, I'm full on Matrix. Like, let's go. But in the back of my head, I always had like, but I remember not being good. So like, I I did with the with Reloaded. You know, we didn't hate Reloaded. We just didn't. We liked it. It was okay. So this one we didn't like. So it's like, oh, I just really remember not liking it to the point where I haven't rewatched it. I don't rewatch a lot of movies, but big movies I do try to rewatch it. Especially it's been. 15 years you know there's a blu-ray out they remaster these things so i have better tv so i do like to rewatch things to be like oh let's see how it looks now and matrix is just something that i've i've just never really wanted to and no like i've never felt the desire to go back but it's i understand because even though i didn't hate it so much i just it's it's not satisfying the ending it's okay it's fine i get what they're doing but eh, whatever even the first one that we both agreed still holds up as a great movie. I don't know if it's maybe because of the way that the taste left in my mouth from the last two films. 
like it makes me like not excited to ever go back and watch the first movie, which is a genuinely great movie. I get that. Yes, I get it. But I guess I mean just watch it as a solo movie. Forget the other two existed and just yeah. I mean that's basically what you have to do. The Matrix, you know, as you do because I I will watch Reloaded again definitely. But this one, I just there's no there's no point. There's no there's nothing good enough to make me go. I want to watch this this 15 minutes. You know, if it's on cable, what 15 minutes of the movie are you gonna watch? The last fight with Agent Smith, it, I guess. But like, there's no 15 minutes that I'm just gonna. Oh, I gotta stop. I'm watching this. No, there's nothing even like we had the uh, the yes. highway scene in in Reloaded. There's nothing even like that. Like, and I could, you know, even though I didn't like the movie, I appreciate everything that went into making that scene. I'm sure it took forever to film yeah. and then edit and remaster and and add all your CG and all that stuff. I mean, visually, it's still stunning. Yeah. And in this movie, there really, there's not a lot to hang your hat on, if anything. I mean, what is actually memorable about this movie because both of both of us after 18 years said i don't remember a fucking thing about this movie nope and i'm sure if i ask you six months 18 years from now not yeah, 18 say, months from now 18 days if i ask you about it, you're gonna be like oh son about he's doing something i don't fucking remember you're gonna be like so like, whatever probably the the biggest thing that i'll remember and take away from this is that the the Hulkbuster armor, basically, that these people, you know, are driving and shooting with to try to uh, combat the machines reminded me of the Ed robots from RoboCop. <laughs> That's what I'll probably take away from Yes, it. I'm happy we rewatched the movies because I got a new love for the second one. And I do feel that with this new one coming out, you kind of got to be a fan of the Matrix. I feel like there's going to be a lot of in things because again i have no idea what it's about but uh, you know I, I know these people ain't playing neo like he has a name like I, I i've listened to a few seconds of the trailer when it started when i saw spider-man so like I, I have no idea what this movie's about but it seems like they're gonna play off of the trilogy so i had to rewatch it but uh i won't be doing it again anytime soon and my interest level for the fourth one is still kind of the same because i just don't know what they're gonna do with these characters? The reviews have been mixed. There's people who love it, Ooh. people who don't. But there's people who are really into what they're doing, and there's people who are just like, eh, I get it, but I don't know. So, again, it's, it's an HBO movie. Yeah, I have movie, to say so that helps. You can watch it from your house. My my interest level is now lower than I get it, it was. Yeah, of course, because now I figure I've gone 18 years where I haven't watched it, and I'm just like, I like Keanu Reeves. Oh, cool! A fucking Matrix movie. Oh yeah, I'll go. I'll go see a fucking Matrix movie. And now I'm kind of like, do do I really have to go see a fucking Matrix movie? Can I just have like nine more John Wicks? So like, I was definitely planning on going to the theater to see it, but now I'm probably just gonna stay home and watch it on HBO Max. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at too. After doing this rewatch, you know. there's maybe it'll be better. But you know what? I have a I have a nice TV. I have a brand new seventy five inch in the living room. I haven't watched and and yet. and you said it too. Like you know, you have nice TVs and stuff now. And we're able to get like these four uh, K copies of movies and HD. Like we didn't have this stuff available twenty years ago, so it made going to the movies 
very important. You know, you wanted to be able to appreciate the film as it was meant to be seen. And now you can really do that, especially if they're going to offer it to you at home. How much are you really missing out on by going to the theater? Because I'll tell you what, after seeing Spider-Man in theaters this week, there are an awful lot of people who just went out in public for the first time in a year and a half, and it fucking showed. Do you think those box office numbers, I mean, if that was on Disney+, Plus, it takes a big hit off of that, that thing, so I don't know. I think those big movies are always going to be in the theater, and little little things like this, because think about it, If there was no pandemic, nothing, there's a fourth Matrix how do you even think that's doing in the box office? Like, I don't know if that's a guarantee $100 million opening weekend. You know what I mean? Like, is it? I mean, I, I don't know. I thought Ghostbusters would have been a smash hit, and it was, but it was because it had a low budget, so it was able to make an easy profit, but it didn't make as much money as I thought it would have. You know? Because I felt like a lot of people were talking about it. A lot of people were into it. A lot of people going to see it. I felt like it was very ingrained in what I was seeing on my social media feeds. But it still didn't make the kind of money that I assumed it had. It's, kind of, it's been slow and steady. It's kind of been making money a couple, you know, a few weeks after. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't. I can't see this Matrix movie making much money, especially now. Uh, it's on HBO Max. I'm going to see it. If I love it, hey, I could go then see it in the theater a second time. But, uh, I mean, you know. if it does a $60 million opening no weekend, shot. like, is that, that's probably a failure, I, right? I, I don't think it's, I'm good. If it does 30 million, I think that's, I don't think it's 60. I don't know. Oh, but it's with showing on HBO too, yes. right? Oh, yeah. I think how much did Suicide Squad? Make? I think anyone who's it, iffy about it, who might have gone to it, now they just sit at home and watch it. You know, you're already paying for HBO Max. Here's a special treat. Here's some Matrix. Yo, and and you know what? There are people now who, after spending the past year and a half, like being able to pay the thirty dollars on Disney Plus for a movie, if that was an option, you know, for Black Widow or one of the family movies. There are people who prefer that nowadays. Yeah. So if you're gonna tell them, hey, you don't have to go to the theaters to see it, there are people who are like, Oh, thank God I don't have to go to the fucking movie theater. There's I mean, I know it seems like everyone saw Spider Man this weekend, but uh I know a lot of people who didn't go see it yet. And uh because of going to a theater. It's just it's it's not easy getting to a theater. Especially now, we got, you know, craziness going on with viruses out there. Again, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, people, I get it, being hesitant to go to a super spreader event, you know, so I get it. But, uh, no, that movie's Matrix. We'll watch it at home. We'll talk about it. But the interest level has waned a little, so we'll see. Hopefully it's interesting. Gomez, what do you give the Matrix Revolutions? Uh, I'll give it a two. I think it's a two. See, I'm in the ballpark. Uh, last week I gave Reloaded a two, and this movie had less to offer. So I'm going one and a half main men. See, so because I went four, three and a half, two. That's a big drop from three and a half to two. Like, that's that's rough. That's like I just... I, there is a reason that this movie was the lowest grossing of the three. 
But like when you look at the numbers from two to three, you're talking $741 million gross for Reloaded. And then what? I think it's the same year. They both came out the same year, right? Yeah, 2003. So you're talking in that span of a year, you had a $314 million difference between part two and three. Yeah, it's crazy. I wonder if people don't like two also, because that's the thing. Like maybe uh, they must have hated maybe, it to not come back for part yeah, three. Maybe they didn't like two as much, so they didn't come back. And then definitely part three did not have that longevity to uh, make no. It last. And I think one of the big things with part one too was the the word of mouth after 100%. it got out. You know, and and we see, we see that a lot of times. Like, a lot of movies, you know, have that. They get that word of mouth going, and it's like, yo, you got to go see like, this. You gotta, and all of a sudden, it spreads like John wildfire. John Wick is the, one of the most recent examples of that, starring Keanu Reeves. A small movie that I just mean, One of the ones the I think up. about all the time is There's Something About Mary. Sure. It was like this dumb comedy. Like, no one really paid it any mind. I remember I went to see it as like a... um. Uh, sneak preview attraction thing So it was before original release date I came out of there thinking it was one of the funniest things I had ever seen in my life And like I remember telling everyone I had ever met Like you gotta go see this fucking movie oh, yeah. And then it was one of those things that Once it uh, officially released Just kind of grew and you know week after week Until like everyone was like Oh my god did you see that that scene Where she put the fucking jizz in her hair <laughs> It's a good scene <laughs> Oh, man, that movie is the best. Still holds up the best. So, yeah, I think it does hold up. I caught it on cable, uh, I want to say probably within the past year or so, and I still was laughing I at it. I think all like, their movies I mean, still hold up. The Farrelly Brother movies, Kingpin still holds up, Dumb and Dumber still hilarious. I just think something about their characters, I don't know, just comedy doesn't always hold up, but those comedies are just fucking still great. But maybe it's the the era too. I mean that that's kind of our wheelhouse for comedies at that age. Where we're at that age, where we're very impressionable yet old enough to understand the jokes. Sure. You know what I mean. So maybe it just kind of st- sticks with us. I don't know how somebody, um, you know, like a seventeen-year-old kid watching. There's something about sure. Mary today. If he would think about it the same way, but I there's do. movies like I liked Caddyshack when I was uh, younger. Now I'm like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't really care about Caddyshack. See, uh, but that's what I was gonna say. Like that to me, I'm like, eh. yeah. I did. I love when I when I finally saw Caddyshack. I was just like, this is it. This is it. Animal House, same thing. All all I heard was, oh, Animal House, Belushi, so fucking fun, and I'm just like, I. I guess. Bro, he spits mashed potatoes out of his mouth, bro. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, I suppose. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we'll talk about Matrix, I guess, next week when we watch it. comes out this Friday, the 23rd, on HBO Max and theaters. And, uh, Joe, I think it's time to give the people what they want. What they came for, Gomez. Let's do it. Boom. Ho, 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 ho. Welcome, boys and girls, to the five weeks of slaying. Ho, 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 ho. And slaying. <laughs> All right, folks. Week four 
of slaying and slaying. We got a doozy here for you. Boy, oh boy. Oh my oh my god, do we? We've got the uh, 2021 Spider-Man No Way Home and we have the 2007-2008 somewhere over there inside a French picture. Boy, oh boy. I think we're going to have to start with the uh, slaying of inside first because Spider-Man's going to be, you know, come on. We're going to be talking about Spider-Man forever. So let's start us off with the wonderful picture inside a movie I knew what I was doing, Joe. I always give you warnings about things. I always try to keep it easy for you. But horror movies, you know, sometimes they're not fun. Sometimes they're a bit much. So I wanted to to pick one of those movies. It's not something I do often. I certainly wouldn't do it repeatedly because this is not your jam. But, you know, who knows? Maybe it is. I'm, I'm assuming things. <laughs> well, you know what? I thought maybe you were you were trying to set me up a little oh, bit. Oh, you, you know, thought I was overselling it? Expecting, okay. Maybe have me expecting no. the worst No, and have me hoping for the best. <laughs> because as everybody knows, I'm like... The Pharaoh of the French. I love the French. I love. <laughs> I love. <laughs> oh, that's a new one. I didn't know. <laughs> I love. I love all of the French things. Oh yes. Okay. You know they they have um, the Eiffel Tower and beignets. French fries. That's how you say it. you say beignets. <laughs> they have toast. I love. I love all that shit. Uh-oh. And so I said, you know what? As a wildly cultured individual, I will sit down and not only watch this foreign film, but I will love it. <laughs> and then I was treated to inside. And then you read the description. A movie. <laughs> a, a movie oh, my God. About the attack and home invasion of a young pregnant woman by a mysterious stranger who seeks to take her unborn baby for herself. So you read the Amazon synopsis, which is the synopsis in most places. Well, I, for some reason, I I was going to watch this movie on Apple TV. You have to rent it. And uh, let me just read a little bit of, uh, well, let me just read the first line of their synopsis here. Inside, get ready for the most gruesome, terrifying, and disturbing film you'll ever see. <laughs> Boy. Oh. So they, they let you know right from the start that you're in for some not, shit. Not, not, uh, not pasteurizing it. <laughs> oh, man, Joe. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to be. I will say. Yes. I will yeah. say the one thing I believed is that this is a Christmas yes, movie. Yes, it is. 100%. <laughs> so the, the whole story with this movie is that uh, it begins with a woman and her husband in the car. They're in an accident. The husband dies. The woman lives. She's very much injured. She's worried about her unborn baby. She's pregnant at the time. She has to get a fetus cam. She lives. Has very... <laughs> yes. We also get this very odd fetus cam that we keep cutting back to like it's fucking John Madden giving us the fucking booms and circles and squares and shit. (laughs) But months later, this woman is home alone. It's Christmas time. Christmas Eve. And she's having a rough time. She's having a rough time with the holidays because now her husband's dead and she's still, you know, 
<laughs> got this baby on the way. And all of a sudden, as she is preparing to go to sleep on Christmas Eve, she feels like there's someone in the house or someone watching her. The cops come and they're like, hey, there's no one here, but we'll check throughout the night. And it turns out that there is this mystery woman. We don't know who she is, but she's there and she's she's causing a ruckus and they're fighting. And all of a sudden there's some stabby stabs. And she is obviously trying to cut this lady open because she wants that fetus. <laughs> she wants that baby. <laughs> Gomez, at this point, I am like, what in the bluest of fucks did I just get myself into? <laughs> Why would someone as cultured, someone who appreciates foreign cinema like I do, why would I let myself be dragged into this? For the fans, bro. Come on. <laughs> For the fans. That's why. For all the people who download and subscribe to this show, I'm going to put myself through it for all of you. And chaos ensues because the cops do come back during the night and this mystery woman is like oh i'm her mother don't worry i'm here taking care of her and the cops are like well that's fucking good that's enough good for, for us me, bro. it's christmas i'm going home <laughs> but then they like they see some weird shit around the house and they say hey you mind if we come and take a look and then she, this woman fucking kills them <laughs> And there is also, like, we're seeing all sorts of weird shit. There is stabbing with knitting needles and scissors. The the pregnant woman is locking herself in the bathroom and breaking the mirror to use shards of glass as a weapon. And it is just, all of a sudden, all these people start coming over. There's a, a, a guy who she works with, the pregnant woman works with, and he ends up getting himself killed. Her real mother comes over. And the woman, the pregnant woman is so terrified that she ends up killing her real mother because she thinks it's the evil woman coming to get her. Crazy. So she feels like she's going to make a surprise attack and she shoves, uh, uh, she fucking stabs her in the fucking neck and kills her own mother. Her own mother. Yes, crazy. Gomez, I could not believe the amount of blood, like, I mean, we're seeing shit like people get stabbed in the eyes and the neck, blood shooting out from fucking everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, 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 oh my God. Very bloody movie, Joe. Oh, man. This movie is fucking gross. Gross, I love it. It is fucking disturbing. I was physically. Physically moved like I like I had a very hard time being able to continue watching this film because this is not my jam. Have you my man. ever watched anything like this movie? I, I I mean I'm I've seen other movies sure like I mean not that I can pinpoint but like there's a reason I don't watch movies like this. <laughs> Did listen? I will say. This is a rough one. This is not just a horror movie. This is, if you look up, you know, rough horror movies, crazy horror movies, th this is on a lot of lists because this is a crazy-ass movie. Um, I love this movie. This is, I love all types of horror, but I love home invasion stuff. I find it 
you know, creepy because when you're home, you're supposed to be chilling, not worrying about someone coming in trying to fuck with you. And uh, I like every once in a while, not everything, I like a lot of silly, goofy horror movies, but once in a while, I do like a rough horror movie, a disturbing horror movie because there's, there's goodness to these things. You know, not everything has to be a happy ending, has to have this. So... A movie like this, the way it ends, like that's that's my shit. Like I love a fucked up movie where afterwards you just go, Wow, that was that was a crazy that was a crazy ninety minutes there. That was that was wild. You know and and the ending is not a happy no. ending. Like and I think that's a good point to make because like because I'm not someone who dabbles in the horror genre much, I always kind of assume we're going to get the happy sure. ending. Most and movies. in yeah. this, not only did we not get it, it got even fucking grosser. Oh. It got savager. Yes. yes. <laughs> At the end of the movie, this woman literally cuts through the pregnant woman with a scissor to physically remove the She's fetus. She's got to save the baby. She's going to lose the baby. She has to. At that point, she's a hero, to be honest with you. She saved that baby's life. And then we get the big reveal at the end, which is that in the opening scene where there was a car accident, this mystery woman was the driver of the other car involved, and she lost her baby yes, in the, the fetus accident, cam which is why was her baby that smacks up and, and gets fucked up. Ooh, big reveal. Did you like that? Because I know you like to have origin for that like why you know exactly now why this person was doing what they were doing they weren't justified i will say at that point you're like yes they weren't but justified but i i understood <laughs> the thought it, process yes. and i wasn't expecting yes. that and for it to come together uh for it to come full circle like that i was like holy yes. shit because i don't want to say they lulled me into a false sense of security there was no security <laughs> for me throughout this whole film there was none whatsoever but I certainly, at no point did I say, oh, I wonder if she lost her baby at some yes. point. Yeah. So so with that, they did catch me with the oop-de-oop. Yes. That's one of the things I love about the movie, that it just it ties it together. It's like, oh, shit, okay. Because the things that this woman is doing are horrific and crazy, but now you get the, the backstory where it's like, well, this is why this lady has gone crazy. Again, she's not justified, yes, but it, it's like, oh, shit, okay. Correct, and it takes that step from just being like some random psychopath mm -hmm. to being like, oh, there's actual psychology behind all of this. And and that I can appreciate in a film. Yes, so this, you know, this has been one of my favorites for a long time. Uh there was a whole movement around that time where French movies started uh, becoming the shit. It's called the French Extreme Movement, and this is one of the uh, the forefathers of this. And uh, this is their the people who made this movie. This is their first movie, and nothing has come close. We've been trying to catch that high many, many movies later. They've gotten you know some good stuff here and there, but man, what a what a debut picture! My goodness, what a movie! If if I was a fan of the genre, I I would be like, holy shit! Like, I guess these guys fucking did it. Like, I mean, but for me, like, 
disturbing is the word I keep coming back to. I I keep trying to think of another adjective. No, nope, but but that's I a mean good like but that, physically, that mentally, emotionally repulsed by like what was going on, squirming on yes. my couch, going, "Oh my, oh fuck!" Like, oh that's, no, oh no, oh the no. The movie did exactly that's that's you are what that movie's for. Like that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be squirming. You're supposed to be physically ill watching all this blood and all this carnage. This is exact. You got the experience the filmmakers wanted. It's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry I put you through it. I promise. Next year when we watch horror movies, I'll I'll go back to the the fun stuff. But uh, I just wanted to to see. I wanted to gauge your uh, your willingness <laughs> with some of the extreme stuff. Hey, I I have never once. Said flat out no, no to anything. You're always I? a good sport. We, that's why. That's why I don't do you I, dirty. That's why, because you're up. For, you're up for everything. And you know what? I I give a lot of credit to the people who listen to this show. We always get the feedback, and we there are a lot of people who listen to this show who do enjoy the horror genre and the experience of having someone who is very much not into that same thing. They very much enjoy hearing the. Uh, trials and tribulations of me as I have to go through this. <laughs> so, I mean, I appreciate all the feedback that we get on on Twitter uh, mostly, but also through Instagram and through the Facebook page, and uh, you guys reaching out through uh, all the different forms of uh, social media platforms that you do. I I do this for you yes. guys. I, I planned on showing this, but this was uh, I saw this suggested a few times when people were throwing out ideas for. Christmas uh, horror movies because this is a staple for many people and uh, you know there's a lot of Christmas horror there's not a lot of good Christmas horror in the sense of (laughs) I don't want to say the word enjoyable for this movie because I understand it sounds like you're a lunatic to enjoy it but uh, you know there's some real piece of shit movies I'll say this is not a piece of shit movie you might not enjoy it but it's a very well made uh, thought <laughs> thoughtful movie. Uh, so <laughs> after doing that to you, this is why I figured we shouldn't watch something shitty. Also, like you know, the horror movies have been your enjoyment during this segment for the past month. So this is why we're gonna talk about Spider Man for our next movie. Even though after seeing the movie, the Christmas stuff is very underplayed. They hyped it up. I was they, gonna say, they made it seem, you know, because even I asked you last week, I was like, is that actually a Christmas movie? And you said, yeah. And it is the barest minimum. Very much not. Yeah. Because, but they made it. They were like, oh, it's Christmas in New York. They made it sound like, you know, they would be playing up to it more than the end of the movie. There was a Christmas tree. And like, that's that's our Christmas in New York stuff. So, but whatever. Who cares? We're going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home now. Oh, baby. Baby, baby. Can you talk about this movie without spoiling? Give us a quick quick thought of the movie because to really get into this movie, you, you know have what? to talk about I it. can give you I can give you a quick non-spoiler description. Sure, tell us, baby. When Spider-Man asks Doctor Strange to make people forget who he is, the mist cast spell enables dangerous foes from other worlds to appear, forcing Peter Parker to discover what it truly means 
to be Spider-Man. That's a great. That's that's perfect. And you, you haven't done the movie trailer voice in a while. I'm very excited that it has returned. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, you know, you you're breaking out the big guns for oh, Christmas time. Oh, baby, yes. So that's perfect because, like we said, we watched the first trailer. Other than that. I don't know nothing about this movie, right? Like, watching this movie, I'm sitting in the theater going, I have no idea what's going to happen next because nothing that was shown in the trailers or anything, it's basically all the first act, setting up the movie, but then you have no direction, no idea what direction this movie was going in. And boy, oh boy, what a ride it was, Joe. What a fantastic ride. I mean, if you have not seen this movie and you do not want spoilers, now is the time to hit pause and come back to it uh since i assume you're going to see this right now so hit pause and come back to the podcast in about two hours um because the spoilers start now i mean we knew we knew limited stuff coming in right we knew dr octopus alfred molina was in it and they had shown that the green goblin was going to be in it We've heard all the rumors. Oh, are we going to get the multiverse Spider-Man? Are we getting Andrew Garfield? Are we getting Tobey Maguire? Are we getting other villains? Are we getting other characters from the first two uh, generations of the Spider-Man movies over the past 20 years? And number one, Marvel did a phenomenal job at protecting as much as they possibly could have. Yeah, right? you know nothing about this movie except, hey... Some people are going to show up, but you don't know nothing else. That is, what a great job. Now, neither you nor I really go hunting for this. I mean, we don't necessarily want spoilers. We're not really hiding from them, but we're not actively looking for them. And we watch the trailers, but for the most part, we just went in with a clear head. Like, okay, like we know Doctor Strange is going to do something really stupid and let this fucking 17-year-old kid tell him to <laughs> cast a spell that could fuck up an awful lot of shit while, while no one's watching. Why is Doctor Strange just so enamored with his own bullshit? Doctor Strange is like, I've done this thing a, a hundred times. It's no big deal. As if he's done the entire world a hundred times. Like, he's done it in small scales. Yeah. Oh, Wong, you forgot about this party. Shit like that. This man is like, yeah, no big deal. Billions of people, I got this. No no problem. All, no one's going to know. Like, come on. Not even paying attention as he's casting this spell. Fucking kid talking in his ear the whole time. Shit getting fucked up left and right. And it's just like, why would you think this is a good idea? I mean, I know we said this when we saw the trailer, but you got to be a real dumb piece of shit, Doctor Strange, to pull this shit. The difference in the trailer is in the movie, Wong's like, yo, I know you're going to do this shit, but just leave me out of this, you know? And the yes. trailer, he's, it's more like, <laughs> what we find out. What we find out is Wong is actually the new Sorcerer Supreme. Yes, Doctor Strange was blipped for five years. Someone had to fill in, and I love that. Although it makes Shang-Chi, like, why is the Sorcerer Supreme illegally fighting underground? Like, what are you doing, bro? You, you should be above this. You see, and that's, I was thinking that too, because, like, Wong is just out there. Yeah. But apparently, like, as the Sorcerer Supreme, like, his big thing now is that he's actively recruiting. Like, he's some kind of college football coach. Sure. 
it makes sense also then how Shang-Chi ends with him coming through the portal and being the one to get everyone together because hey he's the sorcerer yeah and going to karaoke yeah, he's the sorcerer supreme he should be getting everyone together so I do love that yeah so he does this spell Peter keeps messing with him so he's having trouble with it focusing because he keeps changing the spell and all of a sudden the, the universe gets ripped apart we're getting fucking characters coming in left and right but even before then we got our first big surprise where in the aftermath of J. Jonah Jameson uh, blowing Peter Parker's oh, yes. cover we are treated to a scene in Aunt May's apartment and with a tapping of the cane we get Charlie Cox as Daredevil Gomez did you pop for Daredevil? Yes. I have to ask, what was your theater experience? Was it a sold-out show? What, what was that like? Yes. My, well, I had a packed Mine theater. was completely packed, and they pop in for all the things they were supposed to pop for. This was the, Mine this as was well. the first pop of the day was, oh, shit. And the thing is, <laughs> I, I try to pick show, showings that Don't I have think that. are not going to be packed <laughs> yeah. on purpose. Um, so I went to a 10.30 in the morning showing of this on a school day, on a work oh, day. Yeah. And this is why I say it's very obvious people have just stayed inside for the past year and a half. Because the amount of people talking throughout the movie, the amount of people with their phones out during oh. the movie, the amount of people... It, it it was brutal. Oh, that's so sad. Brutal. They they were, everyone was into the movie. No one had their phone out. No one was talking except for the the hooting and hollering for when they were supposed to. You know what? You sucks. know what I fucking Ugh. hate. You know what I fucking hate. These people who have iPhones and I have an iPhone, but I don't mean me. But the people who have like their uh, flashlight set so whenever they get a text message, their fucking yes, th- uh, flashlight blinks yes. like bright like, and it's like. Number one, what the fuck are you doing? And number two, you're in a fucking goddamn movie theater. Shut that shit off, you 11 people throughout the whole fucking theater where it looked like we were getting fireworks the entire show. Oh, my God. That's crazy. That's so, That gets me upset because I've always say, you know, there's been once or twice, but for the most part, I have very good <laughs> theater-going experiences. And for something like that, I figured everyone would be into Spider-Man. You wouldn't have to deal with bullshit for that. Oh, man. Bastards. No, I, I, you know, like I I say it half joking, but I really believe these people forgot what it's like to go out in public and be at this kind of thing nowadays. I just, people just don't know how to act. Like they don't, they don't know how to behave. Nobody knows how to act. Nobody knows how to behave. Nobody gives a shit. It's just, it's, uh, it's a jungle out there, bro. Uh, but we do get Daredevil. My theater popped for Daredevil, especially when we found out he's a really good lawyer. Yes. Um, Great. I were you? I I certainly didn't expect that. Especially like didn't like Ke- Kevin Feige like just say like, ah, uh, you know those characters are on the table. But if we do decide to go down the Daredevil route, it will be Charlie Cox. Like very like low keyed it, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's right of there. Course, always they're always doing that. They knew what they were doing, dropping hints here and there. It's wonderful. Daredevil's good. I can't wait to see how they incorporate him into here. I guess uh, we didn't talk about Hawkeye, but uh, he'll probably, there's that Echo show coming out. I guess that might be like an Echo, Daredevil, Kingpin mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. thing maybe going on. Because uh, yeah. I, wonder, I wonder what's going to happen with it. Now he's here. People going to want him, right? So, like, what are we doing with him? 
So very very excited to see. We, we get Daredevil. We look. We get the three Spider Men. We we hoped for it. We got it. We got more villains than we knew what to do with. This movie, on the fan service level, goes ratchets it up to a hundred. And I know people are gonna come at me because I'm gonna say positive things about this movie. And I know you're gonna come at me because I complained about the fan service bullshit that was Ghostbusters. We're talking about bad Gomez, fan service. Can... This is good fan service. They're not screeching halt in the movie to be like, member, member. This is just. They're playing off these characters you know and love, and they're doing their own thing. This is what we want. We don't want them doing the same thing. Yes. The story is getting moved along. And do I think this movie's perfect? No, I don't. I, I, I have some issues with it, sure. But I think this is fan service done <coughs> pretty correctly. For, for as big of a scale as they did it on, this nailed it. A thousand percent better than the Ghostbusters movie did. I was going to say, we knew we were getting Spider-Mans, but I did not think we would get, you know, basically the whole end of the, the second half, third act of the movie is all three of these Spider-Mans working together. It's it's great. And that's where I was going to go. Like, we hoped we yes. were going to get them, right? I don't think any of us thought help. it was a given. Yeah. But I th- if anything, they would be in it for a little bit. You know, almost like a cameo, like a hey, and then everybody do the point. You know, like the Spider Men's all pointing Love at each it. other. We got it. And then they, and then they, and we, and we got it. But I figured it would basically be that, and then they'd leave. No, they are in the movie. Yeah, main characters in the second they half are of the movie. Fully, fully fleshed out characters in this movie. We play off everything that has happened to the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. We play off everything that has happened to the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. We get the Goblin. We get Dr. Octopus. We get the fucking Lizard. We get Electro. I don't know why we needed Electro, but we got him. And this is kind of where my problems with the movie start. We overloaded this movie so much that it does get clumsy at times. I don't feel because that. Electro, I feel because these, it's basically Dr. Octopus and the Goblin. And then the lizard does nothing. Sandman does nothing. They're there, but they're not doing anything. And they're like, not giving them. They're not wasting time they, on these people. But like the, we could have, we could have very easily just eliminated them completely. Sure. And but not even like spent that time. But there's there's movies where there's a lot of characters and they're doing too much here. Like they they know that no one gives a shit about lizard and Sandman, but they're just there because it's cool. And Electro, you know, he has, but he's he's also barely in the movie. Also, he's he comes, and but the thing too is like number one, Electro is not even like up in the Electro garb. It's quite obvious that Jamie Fox was like, "Listen, I'll come do it, but I ain't putting on all that shit." Well, he's in Electro garb. Um, he's in comic. This is one of the best things. The movie does very comic accurate costumes fantastic electro looks more like in the comics even does his little face shield yes when he does it yes yes so that's cool but yeah he jamie fox was coming back if he, he didn't have to be blue he was not being blue again fuck that <laughs> <laughs> fucking stupid i mean shit. he didn't even get to blow out his candles for his birthday oh my goodness so good so i felt they handled all these characters well because that was a pro- a, a problem i was worried about is there's a lot of bad guys there's a lot going on if we have other spider-man like what are we doing but i felt people got you know green goblin doc octa got like story arcs where they got to 
fleshed out characters. All the Spider-Man had continuations to their movies. And I just, I thought they handled all these characters very, very well. I'm so, I can't, oh man. I think, I think it, some of it gets hidden by the fact that Willem Dafoe is the fucking, fucking man. kills it, bro. Unbelievable. And he he is so fucking good that it kind of covers for some of the other issues because this has been a a running theme with Marvel movies that we have this villain problem. We have very few believable villains where you feel like, hey, there are actual stakes here because this guy doesn't fuck around. And Willem Dafoe is that guy where you're like, I believe everything that this motherfucker is doing. And the way that he seamlessly goes back and forth from the Jekyll and Hyde of the the uh, the very weak Norman Osborn to going back into the Green Goblin headspace like it's nothing like he absolutely like to me, he's he's the show stealer. With everything that happens in this movie, the Green Goblin steals the show to me. It's unbelievable. He fucking just brought it up a notch. Like he's like, oh, you know, I, maybe I could do this different, this different. Like he took that first performance that we all enjoy, and he just said, you know what, I'm just gonna kick it up a notch and just really go for it. And boy, he he carries it. He is his his character is just. Unbelievable what he does. Doctor uh, Doc Ock is wonderful. It's funny, like th- these two obviously were the best two, but the dichotomy between why they came back is hysterical because Alfred Molina was basically like, "Listen, I did this because I wanted the yeah. paycheck," he and didn't have to go and that Willem hard. Dafoe was like, "Willem Dafoe was like, listen, I'm coming back, but if I'm coming back, I'm doing all my own fucking stunts and none of you are telling me anything or else I ain't doing it. Oh, yeah. Um, did, did you happen to rewatch either of the uh, prior two Spider-Man movies before I this? I did not. I thought about it, but it's a lot. It's a lot going on. It's the holidays. We've been sick in the house. Yeah. So I was like, so, I'm not going to try and squeeze it. I could watch it any other time. I was going to do a full Spider-Man rewatch to build up for this. I didn't get around to it, but I did watch Homecoming and Far From Home. And... I think coming in, like I've I've loved the Tom Holland Spider Man, but it's very it's a very odd situation I find us in with him. Because when he's introduced, he's on this grand scale of the Avengers. And then he kinda has to be introduced as the quote unquote friendly neighborhood Spider Man who's just a high school student and worried about getting into college on like he's very localized and Spider Man has always been this very localized character. Yeah. But because he's introduced in such a grand scale, it almost feels like we go backwards with the character. Yes. And it presents these challenges where I had where going back to watch Homecoming, I enjoy Homecoming still, but it kinda it kind of feels less than in the grand scheme of things. And the same thing for Far From Home. He's on his trip and he's worried about all his little high school shit. And okay, yeah, like this is cool. But now all of a sudden, like, yo, it wasn't that long ago where he was fighting in an airfield with Captain America and trying to save like the entire fate of the universe. He was in space. Yeah, like my man was in space. <laughs> Yes, we had an origin story told in reverse. It's uh, very interesting. 
and I like I like the way they handled it because they brought him in. He's got all this tech and everything. And by the end of this movie, he's got nothing. Nobody knows who he is. No money. No suit. No power. You know, nothing crazy. And I love that. So now when we see Spider-Man again, he's going to be the Spider-Man we know and love. Because there's nothing wrong with having different versions of Spider-Man. I enjoyed. I've had no problem with the MCU version of Spider-Man. It's just a very different version of Spider-Man than we're used to. Uh, and I think that's, that's a good fine. thing. Exactly, th- that's good. Know, we, exactly, we we didn't need to have the same Spider-Man origin story again, and because that's where I think the Andrew Garfield series failed was like we weren't that far removed from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, where Andrew Garfield comes in and they basically try to do the same origin story again, and it was like we don't, we don't, we don't really need that. Had you just. You kind of you could have just jumped in with Andrew Garfield for Amazing Spider-Man and done, you know, okay, you know, already in progress doing Spider-Man things. I know, but look, look how it is with Batman. These guys just can't fucking resist to uh, to put their character through torment and you know shit like that. Like they just need it. The, the interesting thing in this, I want to know what made Spider-Man become Spider-Man in the first place. You know. Because it seems like Uncle Ben really wasn't around in this version. I don't think he existed. Right? Like he don't exist. Maybe he was around earlier in his life. But, you know, when it, it was just May and Peter. And so what made him go into crime fighting? Because the Uncle Ben thing is such a catalyst to make him do this. And basically in this MCU version, they turn Aunt May into Uncle Ben here to make him realize, you know, that. He's got to go through it to uh, become his best self. Yeah, it it doesn't seem like there was a a starting yeah. point or so he got to go through a, it a twice. Momentous... Like, no, like this is his moment of going through it. So what exactly made him go and do it? So I'll, I guess maybe we'll find some of that out in the the high school year cartoon or something that's coming out. It's very interesting. Maybe I'm, I'm very interested in that. But uh, yeah, bro, they kill Aunt May. Shocking, shocking shit. Uh. Yeah, I, I personally, number one, Marissa Tomei is the best. Best, bro. Unbelievable. Love her. I, and I thought she was great. It's so funny to, because we've always, whether it was the original comics or whether the, the Toby movies from 20 years ago, Aunt May has always been portrayed as this little old lady. Yes. And... All of a sudden, Marissa Tomei shows up as Aunt May, and you're like, whoa. And, like, even, like, Tony Stark makes the comment, like, really early on, like, you're, um, he calls her, he says to Peter, like, you're, um, unexplainably hot aunt. Like, yes. And it's like, then you look at it, and you're like, well, when you look at her age, it's, it's, it's an appropriate role, but it's, it makes you, uh, <laughs> things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> Yes, everyone was all nervous of a hot Aunt May, but hey, age appropriate, it works. And once again, I this is where I'm happy they took it. They very easily could have gotten around killing Aunt May and, you know, done something else or whatever, or just not included it completely. But if you're going to do something like this, there has to be stakes. And I say that all the time with the Marvel movies. There has to be stakes. And with this Spider-Man in particular, there needed to be 
like you said, there needed to be that event for him to turn into Spider-Man that made him realize that this is like his calling. And because we hadn't had that, he it was almost like they needed to take this kid and make him grow up immediately. They had to give him something because he's still this immature high school kid who has gotten to fuck around with Iron Man and Captain America and go to space. And they needed something to drag him to reality and make him realize like, hey, motherfucker, this ain't all fun and games like this is very real consequences involved in this shit. Like you need to have your shit together if this is what you're going to do. And what better way to do that than to bring him to that realization and make him understand the great responsibility of the powers he has than killing what's really the only person left in his life at that point. Do you like the way it was handled, the end of the movie where he does a spell to make everyone forget that he was Peter Parker, Spider-Man? It's not really explained how these people will always forget that he's Spider-Man. If there's, are there videos on the internet? Like, are they gone? This is what I mean when I say, like, I do have issues with it. Like, you know, the same way, like, with Ghostbusters, like, did we just not have videos of the Ghostbusters killing a giant marshmallow man? Yeah. Like, are you going to tell me that this world was just under siege and now no one will remember that, hey, why is this Statue of Liberty holding a Captain America shield in pieces? Well, they'll know that. They'll know that there was a Spider-Man battle. They just won't know about Peter Parker. So, but what about those videos? Like, people make reaction videos all the time. What about those videos of of Jameson? Those J. Jonah Jameson videos are still going to be on the internet. Theoretically still exist. Yeah, they're they're on the cloud. Unless they disappear. Maybe they disappear. All knowledge of Peter Parker's vanished. Maybe that's what happens. I, I... I don't know if Mr. Strange has prepared for the cloud. We've already seen he has problems doing spells. So in the comics, so, they uh, <laughs> in the comics, it's explained to where like uh, people just don't care. So like if uh, you show MJ a picture of her and Peter Parker, she's like, okay, and like it means nothing to her. Like it just it's just like a blank. Like it's whatever. Like okay, whatever. And so I don't know what they're gonna do in the MCU because it's interesting. I just think maybe it's supposed to be something we don't think about it, and we're just being like extra nerdy, and like going, but how? What? What about this? I think it's just supposed to be like, oh man, everyone forgot who Peter Parker was. Okay, and that's the end of it. So I don't know. That's gonna be interesting. And something too is that, like, I understand, like when when you're getting to that senior year in high school, I know what it's like to have friends that you don't want to leave, and yeah, you'd like to go to the same school with some of them, and have people you know, and people you trust, and people you love, but. Really? You think three people from the same fucking school are going to go to MIT? Why not? Are you Are you fucking kidding? Do you know how I mean maybe maybe one if if you are a great great school, you may have one person who's able to get into MIT every fucking decade. But you're telling me three people from the same graduating class are going to get into MIT? Get the fuck out of here. Bro, they're mad. They're like a nerd class, aren't they? I I understand they go to nerd school. Because Flash got still, invited MIT, too. He got in too. <laughs> you know, so four, four people. Yeah. Four. Uh, that we know of. <laughs> At least Flash is a published author with his uh, his memoir, Flashpoint. Yes. Uh, Got to be a dig at DC because Flashpoint is there. Big 
yes. their big uh, multiverse thing with the Flash where he goes back in time. Love it. Take that, DC. <laughs> oh, so this is uh, this is just a wonderful picture. I mean, this is just, whew, boy. Listen, as a movie-going experience, I mean, I popped for so many things. And because there's so much, I'm sure this uh, segment comes off as a little bit of a cluster because there's just so many things you want to talk so about, much. so many things you want to discuss that have happened in this movie. When I left that theater, it was one of the most satisfying movie experiences I had ever had. Yep, they pulled it off. I bro. was, I was like, I couldn't believe. Like I said, I don't think it's perfect, but I couldn't believe how well they were able to fit in so many things. Because there's just there's so much, and it, like it's a long movie too, and at no point was I ever bored. Or did I feel it was stagnant? I mean, from start to finish, I am all in on this movie. And honestly, like, the nitpicks I have, I feel, are very minor. And I don't know whether that's because I'm just on a high of having all these surprises actually happen and come to life and be real. Or if, you know, do I need to give it a little time and settle before I really really have a, a true opinion on how I feel about this movie. I get that, definitely. Movies like this also always always need a rewatch because there's so much hype and excitement. You always need a little a little time away from it, and then you give it a... Yeah, you one. almost got to take a breath and let it settle. Yes, sir. Let me hit some music. Do it. Are you a man? A double main man? Are you a man? A triple main man? A man, man, man? A quadruple main man? Are you a man? Are you a man? Alright, we're talking about Spider-Man. Let's end with Spider-Man here. We'll start with Spider-Man, excuse me. Spider-Man, no way home, Joe. Main man standings. What are you doing here? See, walking out of the theater, if you would have caught me right there, remember they used to do those commercials where they they yes, catch the people as, as they, they walk the out theater. of the theater, <laughs> you know, and and then they you know because that would be like the the crowd reaction that'd be like, oh, you have to see this, it was the best. Like, had you caught me in the moment, that would have been me right there. I would have been like, this is the greatest movie of all time. I was ready to start climbing walls, bro. I was ready to go. <laughs> Like, yo, like, I was ready to move back to Queens. I was so excited. Um, I still love it. I, but I, I, I don't want to, like I said, I have little nitpicks. It doesn't ruin the movie for me by, by any means. But I do want to see it again before I make, like, a, like a set in stone kind of thing. So I'm going to give it. Right now, a quadruple main man, still four stars. Yeah. But had you asked me the, you know, the the second I walked out of the theater, I would have given it the quintuple unicorn. But like, I need to let it settle. I need to let it cool. Like when you take the quiche out of the oven, I need to let it relax, and I need to see it again because I was so blinded by all the the hype spots, all the big pops that I don't know if the movie's really that good or whether I just got 
overcome by all the goodness. Did your theater pop for, you know, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. Our theater. No. Our theater. It, so, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I, I was, it, it was a very selected portion of the theater that did. So good. But, like, I know I did. <laughs> so good. Um, like, and even little things like Tobey Maguire looking at Andrew Garfield and going, dude, you're amazing. So good. You're amazing. So good. And can, can we just say yeah. like Andrew Garfield killed it? Like, but he kills it in those he was movies. Great, he's great like, in those movies. They just, their movies ain't good, but he's, he's not. That's the thing. He's, he wasn't the problem with those movies. No. They were just very, very poor scripts. Yes. But with, with this, he has this, this humility around him, this. This feeling that you you just want to hug well, Andrew Garfield emo, and be yeah, like he's the emo Peter Parker yeah. like he's that version. But like you, you almost just want to he's very vulnerable. Yes, he is. And you like you he's just want to you just want to take him and be like, dude, dude, just everything's gonna be okay, man. Just stick with it. Yes, sir. So I have a thing. I don't uh, I don't give anything over four stars on first viewing. As much as I love something, I just feel. You, you, like you said, you leave a theater, you get hyped, you just like, yes, it's the best. And this movie is the best. And I think it's a perfect Spider-Man movie. It is exactly what you want in a Spider-Man movie, a multiverse Spider-Man movie. It's unbelievable what they pulled off here. The story of Peter Parker not letting these guys die. He has to find a way to cure them and make them better. Uh, sacrificing himself and things. It's just, it's perfect Spider-Man shit. This movie's fantastic. I was supposed to see it again yesterday with my mom. She wasn't feeling well, so hopefully this week we could get over there because I'm dying to see it again. I need to see it again. So it's yeah, a four yeah, for me. You. I'm sure it's going to jump up very soon, but uh, what a movie. God damn. It was everything I hoped for. Even with all the hype going in, it it matched it. It gave, it gave me I, more. It, I wasn't expecting I mean. all these Spider-Man, and I got 40 minutes of these. It was just, oh, just so good. Well, what was the last movie you had this much excitement for going in? It's got to be Endgame, right? I mean, I, it's got to be Endgame. Like, I definitely not anything two, this year. It's got to be those two, because even Spider-Man Far From Home, I was excited for it. But, I mean, after Endgame, it's like, oh, boy, I, you know. But, exactly, and then this yeah. year there was definitely nothing. I don't think I'm. I mean, oh, Godzilla vs. King Kong. I was very hyped for, but uh, I was I was excited for that, but not to this level. I was excited for Ghostbusters. Yeah, I get, but not, not to this level. this level. This was it was the end of the year. It was supposed to come out in July for my birthday. It would have been amazing. What an amazing birthday present MCU gave me. Instead, they gave us a wonderful Christmas gift, and what a way to end the year. It's just ugh. My goodness. See, I do feel bad for The Matrix coming out a week after this movie. That's another reason it's not going to make any money. This movie no, made if people, all if, the money. <laughs> $250 million in opening weekend. That is insane. It is the second highest opening weekend of all time behind Endgame. A movie that was years in the making. Years and years. So when yeah. you say Infinity War and Endgame were number one and two highest grossing, well, I think uh, actually Star Wars was in there. Um, you know, that makes sense. But now, like, a Spider-Man movie is the second highest. That's just unbelievable. This movie's going to make a billion dollars worldwide. And I don't think anyone would have predicted this. I think people were predicting... 
100, 150 were, were high predictions. This is just, I can't believe how much money it made this weekend. I wasn't surprised, I mean, obviously I was surprised at that number, but every showing was sold out all day from 10.30 to 12 midnight. Everything was sold out, maybe one or two seats scattered. And I mean, we should have had some inkling still, because of how ridiculous the pre-sales were. That's true. Like the pre-sales it was. for big movies are nuts. But remember how, it, like, because it was like Black Friday where it became a thing where no one could get tickets. And then people were reselling their tickets on eBay yeah. for, like, hundreds of dollars to go see a fucking movie. Like, I've I've never seen that before. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy shit. My goodness. What a picture. You know, and like I said, like, I, w- I went, and I live in Florida, so it's not even like I'm in a main metropolis like L.A. or New York City where there's just population overload for and demand for things at all time of the day. And yet I was able to go to a 10.30 a.m. opening uh, opening day showing. Crazy. To me, like, that's very, very early. You know what I mean? Yeah. My original plan was to see I don't, it Thursday and then take my mom to see it Friday morning. But that no, there was no shot. I couldn't believe 10.30 showings were sold out. It's crazy. That That's what I mean. Like, the demand for this was so intense that it necessitated all these weird showtimes, basically almost around the clock, like Harrison Ford and Brendan Fraser. But... Like I so I guess maybe we shouldn't be surprised I mean. like, by how high the number is. Like, just because it's just then when you say the number out loud, it's just it's just such an insane number. That's it's why. stupid. Yeah, I yeah, think absolutely. I think that's why it's like yeah, oh, it made a hundred million. Of course it did. Two hundred and fifty million is just fucking bananas, man. Unbelievable. Wow. Well, we watched another movie, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> What do you give inside real fast on your main man standings? Um, I've used the word disturbing quite often as we spoke about this movie today. And that's like it made me like physically shudder while watching this movie. It was hard for me to watch. It was it was gross. It was. It made me feel things I didn't want to feel while trying to be entertained. Yet, at the same time, that is the purpose of this movie. The purpose of this movie is to try to get me to feel those things. It's like if a a wrestling heel makes me hate him, then... He did a great job. He did a great job. He's He's accomplishing his purpose. He's accomplishing what he set out to do. And honestly, for as much as I was grossed out and and disturbed by this film, that is exactly how I was supposed to feel. So this movie accomplished what it set out to do. And because of that, I'm going to give it a triple and a half main man, three and a half stars. Wow, that was unbelievable. You just made my day. This is a four for me. I love this movie so much. It is the, this is the type of heart. Like I said, I don't watch movies like this all the time because that's it's a bit much. But every once in a while, I like a good fucked up movie. And this is one of my favorite ones. And, uh, oh, I can't put three and a half. Oh, I love you. 
This, uh, I have to say, you know, listen, we had a successful is, slaying and slaying, bro. This has been stupendous. We very much did, and I, like sometimes you have you have to be able to step out of your comfort zone here and there. And this movie very much did that to me. They, like everybody knows this by now. If you're listening to this podcast, you know the kind of shit that I like, and we've been over this a thousand times. But I still have to be able to appreciate when something is done right, you know, and, and art comes in all forms. And just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not for someone else. But I still try to be objective about what I'm viewing and and how I'm viewing it. And the fact of the matter is, like, if it's making me uncomfortable, I mean, isn't that the whole point of this movie to begin with? Yes. Just because it's not something I would put on to entertain myself as I fall asleep at night, you know, it's not reruns of The Office. Like, that doesn't mean it's not good. It doesn't mean it... Whenever you do anything, like we do this podcast, we our goal for this podcast is to have people listen, entertain them, and hope they come back. And the same goes for this movie. They're just going about it with a different goal. They're trying to entertain people, but with a different endgame. And at the end of the day, I I wasn't able to turn away. I kept watching the movie. I had to see how it finished. You know, it's I couldn't stop watching. I would have felt incomplete had I stopped watching and not known what happened at the end, not known how it finished. If I would have missed that swerve at the end, I would have, you know, kicked myself. Yes. So the movie did what it was supposed to do. And at the end of the day, that's pretty admirable. God bless. Love it, love it, love it, love it. So, we're still doing Slaying and Slaying next week. We're going to watch the... uh, We're going to do a holiday special episode. We're going to watch some holiday specials. Yes. So, for our Slaying portion, we will watch Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Have you ever seen this one, Joe? I never have. No, neither have I. I've never seen this, but I know it is People love it. very much loved. Yes. Yes, it's a Jim Henson production, so that's probably why people love their Jim Henson. And uh, I'm excited to see that. I believe that's on Amazon Prime. You could check that out. And for the slaying portion, I decided to pick the most horrific Christmas special, holiday special I can find. Uh, is it Star Wars? It is the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> that is correct. This is available on YouTube. You could just search the internet. You could find it. It's not officially released anywhere, but it's out there. Give it a go. Uh, I've never really sat down and watched this thing, so I'm excited to uh, finally take this thing in. I I want to believe that I tried watching this at some point last year. I believe like the whole premise is they go to like Chewbacca's house Chewbacca, to celebrate yeah. Life Day or something. Life Day. That's all I know. Yeah, Life Day. So, uh, yeah. And, and this was a big deal back in the day, too, because it featured Boba Fett, right? It was like, oh, like one of the. F- you just. Yeah. Like you just remind Boba Fett comes out next week. You excited, bro? The book of Boba Fett. I, Disney I, Plus. I am excited for that. Yes. Yes. I totally forgot about that. I got to. Oh, man. I am excited for Boba Fett. So that's great. We're gonna have some Boba Fett, some double Boba Fett action next week, bro. <laughs> the double barrel Boba. <laughs> I love it. So that's how we're gonna wrap up that. 
and we're just going to talk about Christmassy stuff. Christmas will be over. We'll talk about what we did, talk about the stuff we love about Christmas. If we don't love, it's going to be a nice holiday episode to end the holiday season, Joe. I can't wait. Our last episode of 2021, which is fucking crazy to say out loud. <laughs> Yo, and these episodes have gotten longer and longer and not by design. <laughs> no, sir. So, <laughs> uh, But real quickly, I just want to give a quick shout out to John Swallow, who is someone I am familiar with from the Major Pod group, who actually gave us a shout out on his podcast a couple weeks ago. It was just brought to my attention. He was doing a thing about what he was listening to this week. He has a wrestling podcast of his own called Coming Down the Aisle. So if you're interested, go check that out. But normally it's all wrestling based. And a couple weeks ago, he was like, well, I'm not really listening to any wrestling stuff, but Joe Shoes and Gomez have this podcast about pop culture stuff, so go check that out. Oh, so thank you, bro. thank you, John. Thank you very much. Awesome. Uh, let's wrap this son of a bitch up, Joe. Oh, thank God. Merry Christmas. Unwrap it. It is now time for the big finish. <laughs> big finish time. You ready, Joe? Christmas centric. I am so Christmas centric. Okay. Here we go, baby. Top three Christmas songs. Let's give it to them. Here we go. I mean, number one has to be Christmas shoes because (laughs) it's about you. It's. I mean, it's about me. (laughs) Oh, I love me some some wham. Last Christmas is uh, that's a good one. Let me see. What am I listening? Trying to think, what are so what are the newer stuff I listen to too? That Kelly Clarkson song is just a banger. Underneath the tree, if you folks are like, oh, I don't listen to old Christmas stuff, you missing out. Kelly Clarkson is bringing the heat, bro. She's taking that crown. I'm gonna go with "I Won't Be Home for Christmas" by Blink 182. Ooh, that's a good. One. I forget about that one. Mmm, that is good. Like some in sync, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. And my final one is going to be Funky, Funky Christmas by New Kids on the Block. <laughs> I love it. Funky, Funky Christmas. That's a good one. Oh, there's so many Christmas songs. The best. I love that it. New Kids Christmas album really needs more play. It's fucking loaded. I love it. I, I feel people need to listen to more current christmas stuff there's too many why are you listening to stuff from the 1950s bro come on there's lots of great christmas bangers just because it came out in the 2000s doesn't mean it's not great i mean as much as i love like maliki licky maka you know like that's <laughs> that's fine but i'd rather listen to new kids on the block yeah, dominic the donkey shit like that right <laughs> dominic the donkey yeah what a stupid fucking song joe hit him with plugs let's wrap this bitch up Oh, guys, thanks for listening. I know this was a long one today. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. Leave a five-star review wherever it is that you get this. Share it with your friends and follow us on all the social medias at Jomez. You can subscribe to my YouTube. We are 100 subscribers away from 2,000. Let's help me get there. YouTube.com slash Joe Shoes or follow my social media anywhere at The Joe Shoes. The Gomez 154. That's me on social media. 
And we will be back next week with Slaying and Slaying, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, and the Star Wars Holiday Special, in addition to more Boba Fett and the usual fuckery. Yes, sir. Until next week, everybody. Peace. We out of here. Merry Christmas. Peace. One, two, one, two, three.